This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I am so thrilled that you've joined us today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And with those words, I greet you each and every day. This reminder to rejoice in the Lord. But let me acknowledge the fact that that can come across as superficial for those who are deeply suffering. And I don't want it to be superficial because it is God's will and our intent that we would have such a high view of him, his power, his grace, his sovereignty, his salvation, his redemptive plan, that we could rejoice regardless of the suffering. I believe that it's important that we prepare our hearts for the ongoing and coming persecution that many of us are maybe presently or will eventually have to face and endure for our profession of faith in Christ. But how do we prepare for persecution? Not only us, how do we prepare our children for persecution, the next generation. And if you're a pastor or a leader, how do you prepare your church for persecution? We're seeing waves of that here in the West, but certainly uh, we are anticipating that that will increase if the, uh, the writings of Scripture are true. I think one of the answers to us preparing is to be mindful of the global church and also mindful of scriptures like Hebrews 13 and 3, which simply admonish us to this end. It says, remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you are also in the body. Here we have a commandment, not a suggestion or a recommendation that we remain ever mindful of those who are in prison, those who are mistreated or what we would call persecuted for their faith. And the reason for that is because we also are in the body. We are connected to them. And ultimately, we will experience, in many ways, the things that they experience. Today, I want to have that conversation. And I want to talk about a book that has had a deep impact on my soul. It's simply entitled Faithful Disobedience. It's writings on church and state from a Chinese house church movement. Joining me is the uh, editor for that, Hannah Nation. Uh, Hannah is uh, the managing director of the Center for House Church Theology. She's a writer and a student of missions history and world Christianity. She's uh, is inspired by the historical uh, moment and privilege of witnessing a new chapter in church history unfold across China and uh, I'm so grateful to have her with me today. Hey, Hannah, how are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. I am well, and thank you for joining me, and thank you, more importantly, for the work that you've done in in this particular project, Faithful 
Disobedience. And also, I should acknowledge, this is the second book produced by the center. Uh, The first was uh, Faith in the Wilderness, which also is very powerful, and I commend that as well. Joining us today as well is a good friend to the program, Karen Ellis. Uh, Karen uh, directs the Edmondson uh, Center for the Study of the Bible and Ethnicity, uh, where studies focus on Christian endurance on the margins of today's society. She's also a really vocal ambassador and advocate for international Christian response. She's joining me today as well. Hey, Karen, how are you? Hey, my friend, it's good to be with you and good to be with you too, Hannah. Well, thank you for joining. Both of you uh, ladies mean uh, a lot to me and to, uh, I think, this moment of church history. I'll start with you, Hannah, if you don't mind. Uh, Talk a little bit about the work of the Center for House Church Theology and really your journey to this current moment of ministry for you. Sure, yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I first went to China um, all the way back in 2005. I was a college student and um, honestly kind of went on a whim. <laughs> I had Um, some people in my life who were getting involved with China and I just was really curious and um, man I went and it's hard to go to China and not be blown away by the gospel opportunity there Um, there's you know you just you land and you're confronted with how many people are there how old the culture is and what the church is doing and it kind of just smacks you in the face (laughs) and it was amazing. And, um, I've stayed involved with ministry in a lot of different ways, uh, with regards to China ever since, but, um, uh, almost 10 years ago, not quite 10 years ago, but I was invited to begin a work basically to work to share um, the voices of the Chinese house churches outside of China um, because, you know, not not many people um, can speak or read Chinese. And there were um, ministry leaders uh, involved with China who basically said, these people are theologizing and and teaching and writing things that are really important for the rest of us to hear. And so we had this vision of being able to translate and publish their work um, in English and hopefully eventually in other languages so that the global church can really hear from them and, and benefit from what the Lord is doing in their churches. And uh, it's taken us a while to figure out how to do it. (laughs) Um, But um, the Lord has, has led us this far. And we started the center for house church theology um, about two years ago. And um, yeah, the the Lord is just opening doors uh, to be able to share their work. Well, you know, I, I describe your work really as a gift to the Western church, certainly a gift to me and uh, other pastors and leaders who are very much interested and take seriously the preparation of the church for faithfulness to God, even when living at the margins of society. And so in many ways, the work that uh, Hannah Nation is doing and the team there is bigger than just telling the story of the underground church in China, 
but it's certainly not smaller than that. It's it, it focuses there, but I think it has broad imp- implications for the body of Christ globally. Uh, Karen, obviously, you have uh, been a voice to the West to be mindful of brothers and sisters who are suffering for the cause of Christ around the world. Why is it important? I started this uh, this uh, program off reading Hebrews 13 and 3. In a world in which it is very easy to ignore global headlines and to be so self-consumed that we're not mindful of what's happening across this, the ocean uh, in, in many ways, why is it important that we not forget to be mindful of our brothers and sisters who are living life on the margins of society? That's a great question. Uh, you know, our whole makeup as a body speaks really strongly to that whole idea that, uh, you know, Paul talks about, you know, when one member of the body hurts another, um, you know, we, the whole body hurts. And uh, we've sort of lost, I think, because of geographics, because of linguistics, we've sort of lost those connections that, um, you know, there's there's a whole world uh, the body encompasses the whole world. And um, I think we talked a, a few times ago when we spoke before about, you know, how we've sort of our spiritual malaise and, and our hyper focus on just what's happening in our backyard has uh, kind of consumed us to the point where we've got this spiritual analgesia where we can't we can't feel the rest of the body anymore. And so I think this is where, where you know, the work that the Center for House Church Theology is doing and, and others around the world is so important because when we read things like this, we begin to feel those connections happen again. We begin to yes. feel the sinews and the synapses, and we realize, hey, wait a minute, there's a whole – there's a whole body out there. I'm not just I'm not just an arm operating and that they're having experiences that yes. whether we know it or not impact us here. I always say what happens here matters there. What happens there matters here. Not because of the circumstances being similar or dissimilar, but because we are connected supernaturally and in the body of Christ. And so uh, I think the the more that Western Christians uh, tap into, or Christians anywhere, tap into the fact that, hey, we're having experiences that are, that are, that are based in our commonality in Christ. They may be different circumstantially, but they're based in our commonality in Christ. When we start realizing that, we start to be able yes. to feel those connections happen again and be concerned. Now, here's what I want to do with today's program. I really want to delve deep into these writings, and I want to hear from both of you uh, ladies about what you've observed and uh, how we can translate that into lessons learned in the West. But I also want to hear from those of you who are listening, how are you presently preparing for a persecution or even endurance? What are you doing to prepare your own heart and soul for suffering for the cause of Christ. But then secondly, I would love to hear from pastors and parents. What are you doing to prepare those that you uh, shepherd, care for, those whose souls have been entrusted to you uh, for for suffering for the cause of Christ? The phone number to join the conversation is 877-LIVE-675. That's 877 877- Five four eight thirty six seventy five again. The number eight seven seven five four eight thirty six seventy five. Hannah Nation. One more question before we go to break. I am en- enormously impressed with Pastor Wang Yi 
Can you share a little bit about who he is? Because uh, he is such an interesting figure. So uh, I'd love for our listeners to be aware of who he is. Yeah. Um, So Wangi is a a house church pastor, which uh, basically means uh, he's part of the church in China that doesn't submit to the state church. Um, His church... It was quite large. Um, it was uh, over 500 people in regular attendance, which probably, uh, you know, might not fit so neatly with our ideas of what the house church is. Um, but probably one of the reasons he's most notable is that uh, before he became a Christian, he was uh, already a, a public intellectual in China, especially um, online. He had a very active presence in in China's uh, social media and and blogging world. Um, He was trained as a legal scholar and was a very prominent human rights advocate. And so when he became a Christian, um, you know, he didn't set aside all of those gifts and skills. Um, He began thinking about all of those same questions that he cared quite a lot about um, from the perspective of the gospel and the church and what the Lord is doing in this world. And his writings um, really delve into this question of um, what is the purpose of the church and what is God doing in our cities and in our countries through the church. Um, But he was arrested very prominently in 2018. Um, It was a very violent altercation between um, the the CCP, the, the Chinese Communist Party, and Wang Yi and his church. And uh, not only was Wang Yi arrested, but all of the leadership of his church was arrested. Um, many hundreds of people in his congregation were, wow. were harassed or interfered with. And all of the church's uh, property was confiscated mm. and uh, essentially destroyed or, or taken away. It was a very, um, it was covered very widely in the international news. Um, But one of the things uh, that brought a lot of attention to the situation was that he wrote a final declaration to be published after his arrest. I think he he knew that uh, an arrest like this was coming. It's called My Declaration of Faithful Disobedience. And it's just a very um, powerful and a very strong statement of, of the reasons for uh, what he he has done, you know, um, we uh, we've, serving... we've read that statement online uh, on the program before, and today we're going to also post that, Hannah. Um, and I know that right now, even as we speak, Pastor Wang Yi is still in prison, and we need to be praying for him. And we're going to do that not only for him but for others as well. Um, but I want to hear from you, 877-LIVE-675. When we come back, we're going to have more with Karen Ellis and Hannah Nation today on Equip. We want to equip you to read and understand the Bible from cover to cover, because the better we know God's Word, the closer we'll walk with Him, and the better we can share His truth with others. This month, I have a resource for you that will help you to do just that. It's called 52 Weeks in the Word by Bible teacher Trillian Newton. 
and it's yours with a support gift to equip this month. Simply call 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks, Karen Ellis, and Hannah Nation joining me. We're talking about a book that I would really recommend, Faithful Disobedience, Writings on Church and State from a Christian, uh, from a Chinese, rather, house church movement. And, you know, it's important to talk about audience for certain books. I do believe everyone would receive value from this. But, but Karen, you, uh, in your endorsement, said, that you were eager for your students to engage this book. Share a little bit about what was it about this book that you wanted your students to benefit from. And uh, and I know Hannah can answer this as well, so maybe both of you. Who do you think would benefit most from this book? I think anybody who has an interest in, um, in you know, the concept of Christian endurance uh, in undercultural hostility, um, I have my students read it because we actually teach a course at the Edmiston Center on um, uh, world Christianity and perseverance. And, uh, you know, we look at a, a number of different movements throughout history and around the contemporary world, like Early Rain Church. And uh, we're excited to dig into this this um, this semester. Uh, you know, Faithful Disobedience reads to me like a, almost an expanded version of Stephen's speech to the Sanhedrin in Acts 7. <laughs> it's this detailed history of a particular line of the kept people of God, and it's given from the inside out uh, for the benefit of its listeners. It's a it's kind of like the extended play version of the modern Chinese church, and so yes. it's uh, it's got this richness of history. It's got this richness of practical theology. Um, they give you um, the last hundred years or so of the development of yes. the Chinese house churches, and that's that's fairly stunning. And it's yes. it gives us, I think, a clear view of priorities, um, their internal yeah. and external struggles, uh, some of which are like others we see around the world or in, and in our own context. Mm. Um, they talk about the limits and the boundaries between the role of government and the role of church, which I think is a really so important conversation yes. Yes. Uh, that we need to be having. As a matter of fact, I'm, I, I want to sign up for almost every Christian civics class that I see being offered right now. You know, um, so and if I could just mention real quickly, Karen, because mm-hmm. you hit on something I think is huge. I don't mm-hmm. know when it happened, but I remember as a young student, a uh, young boy in grade school, on through middle school, high school, I remember having civics classes mm. in my school, but my kids don't have those same civics yeah. classes. And as I talk to kids in this generation, there's just so much about civics that I think has been lost. Sure. And, mm. uh, you know, we just recently went through here in the United States uh, a lot of political attention being paid to the election of a House mm-hmm. Speaker, right? And when mm-hmm. moments like that happen, we learn a lot about civics and we find ourselves saying, man, I didn't even know that. I didn't know that mm-hmm. process, that procedure, that relationship. Right. Well, when it comes to relationship between government and the church, I just mm-hmm. think there's been so much that has happened over the last couple of decades that most of us may not even be aware of, not just here, yeah. but globally, that yeah. the book, I think it gives us categories to think in. And so yeah, as a pastor, 
as a church leader, as a professor, as somebody who's, uh, you know, very interested in these things, I just think that's a, that's a benefit that is absolutely huge, at least mm-hmm. to my heart, and the mm-hmm. reason why I think uh, folks should, should pick up the book. I'm going to go sure. to the phone lines in a moment, Hannah, but just give you uh, an opportunity to maybe mention a benefit or two from your perspective of people reading the book. Yeah, I think, you know, every everything that you both just said, uh, I would repeat. Um, I think there's just also the added benefit of uh, Wangi is very concerned that we think about these questions um, as a church and not just as individuals. And I think mm. in much of the, at least the American discourse around things like religious freedom and, and church and state, we're, we're so prone to think about these questions as, yeah. as just individuals and, you know, what may hurt my rights or my freedoms. But I think what's, you know, very helpful um, from Wangi's perspective and really so much of the Chinese house church's perspective is that these aren't questions about you know, just individual Christians and, and individual perseverance, but it's a question about the church's perseverance Yes, mm-hmm. and how we remain faithful to the body um, mm-hmm. in times of pressure, in times of harassment and, and yeah. even of, of persecution. Well, um, it brings... So I think that's a helpful perspective. It does bring up a, a really important question, and that is, is it possible for the church to flourish in spite of government pressure, cultural marginalization? Is it possible for us? And I think it's also interesting, again, I'm a pastor, so I'm enthralled by a lot of these things, but one of the things that COVID brought to the world, and uh, nation after nation had to deal with this, is the question of the church, um, how much do we cooperate? What are Mm -hmm. the boundaries? Mm -hmm. Where do we resist? Um, what is overreach? What is um, what is uh, our responsibility in submitting to our govern- governing authorities? There's so much there. And what I appreciate is that Wang Yi and others who contributed to this book are not simply writing from an emotional perspective. They're not even simply writing from a cultural perspective. They're hoping to engage this from a theological perspective perspective, mm-hmm. which I think is critical for all of us. Okay, with that being said, let's go to the phone lines. Linda in Florida has been listening. Hey, Linda, thank you so much for listening. What's your question today? My question is, I, I'm an older Christian. I was saved in 1977 in Germany. Um, and there was a great move of God in that country, especially during among the military that, back then. Um, we heard firsthand experiences of Brother Andrew, Corey Chin Boom, mm-hmm. people like that. And um, it was, uh, we caught the fire to be praying and interceding for the persecuted church. But sometime later, when we came back to the States, it was very hard to um, continue that fire among mm-hmm. the church people because um, they just didn't seem to want to hear about it. And, um, just lately, um, I decided, uh, I, I don't make New Year's resolutions, but God really dropped it in my heart this week that you need to be memorizing more scripture. And I kind of excused myself because of my age. 
But I think that is the one weapon that the church needs to be doing more again, is memorizing his word and getting it into our hearts. And the other thing is, I believe in small groups. We have small groups in our church, and that's very hard to make the people realize how important small groups is and accountability one to another. Yes. And so I want to ask you if there's anything I can do to make my church, and my church is really catching a fire lately. Our pastor is, he did spend a few minutes um, on uh, International Day of Prayer praying for the persecuted church, but it's quickly forgotten. We move on to something else. You know, so Mm -hmm, how can mm -hmm, I mm -hmm, um, inspire people? to look beyond America to our brothers and sisters in chains. Mm-hmm. All right, so mm-hmm. here's what I want to do. I, I want, uh, we got about 60 seconds before a break. Uh, Karen, your most eloquent answer to that in 60 seconds. Pray. <laughs> that's, that's you know, dedicate, um, uh, uh, Linda, I would encourage you to dedicate a section of your small group time to praying specifically for the persecuted church and don't, and prioritize it. Like, don't put it at the end. Start your group with prayer. And um, that will change the hearts of both the people praying and increase interest. And also it'll accomplish a number of things all at the same time. It'll inform and it will empower. So that's that's my encouragement in 60 seconds. Linda is so wise in so many Mm. things that she said, ladies. I I just don't want to overlook the scripture memorization. Mm -hmm. I think that's powerful. We think... I, I believe uh, we're kind of culturally conditioned to think that's a Sunday school thing. That's good yeah. for kids when it's good for us as adult mm-hmm. Christians as well. But I yeah. also think it was huge that she mentioned. She called it small groups. I like to describe it this way. You need community beyond Sunday. If all you have is gathering on Sunday, and that's important, then when uh, persecution comes, you're going to feel very isolated, very disconnected. You need community with believers beyond just Sunday. Listen, we're going to take a short break. This gives you opportunity to learn more at our website, equipradio.org. We'll be right back. Hey friends, Chris Brooks here. I want to invite you to join us for our next Equipper Zoom webinar tomorrow right after the program. We'll be talking about one of the greatest challenges facing our children, our relationships, and our society today. That's mental health. Bring your questions and join the conversation as we discuss Jesus, anxiety, and depression. Equippers, look for an email from me with registration details for this free interactive webinar. Not an equipper and want to attend? Well, become a monthly partner by calling 888-644-4144 or online at equipradio.org. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Today we're talking about how to thrive in our face, in our faith rather, in the face of persecution, what it is to be a Christian living on the margins of society. We're looking at a book called Faithful Disobedience. It's writings on church and state from a Chinese house church movement. Hannah Nation is the editor. She's with us today. She also uh, works and directs at the Center for House Church Theology. Also joining us is Karen Ellis. She has been a vocal 
uh, advocate and ambassador for international Christian response, as well as directing now the Edmonston uh, Center for the Study of Bible and Ethnicity, where they focus on Christian endurance on the margins of today's society uh, societies. Listen, if you have not yet gone to our website to order your copy of this book, I highly recommend it. And I will just tell you, as a pastor myself, some of the best books on my bookshelf were not ones that I purchased. It's uh, ones that others felt like would have a powerful formational impact on my heart and soul, and they loved me enough to give me a copy. And so maybe you purchase it for yourself, or maybe you purchase it for a pastor or leader that you know, and you put it in their hands. And I would just finally say, if you're a pastor or an elder at your church, and you guys haven't had conversations like the topics that are written on in this book. What does it look like to remain faithful in the face of persecution? How does God use persecution to shepherd us? Uh, what does the Bible tell us about martyrdom? What is uh, our voice when it comes to religious persecution? And so much more, you need to have those conversations so that you won't be caught unaware and unprepared when persecution comes. Hannah, um, quick question before we go back to the phone lines, and let me give the number. If you want to join the conversation, maybe you have a question about how to prepare for persecution, how to have a thriving faith in spite of it, how to prepare you, the young adults and, and children in your life. The phone number is 877-548-3675. That's 877 877- Five four eight thirty six seventy five. Uh Hannah, there is an above ground church in China. There is a house church movement in China. These are terms that maybe our listeners aren't familiar with. Can you explain the distinction and what they are? Yeah, so one thing, you know, before I really got involved in China. I assumed that uh, their all religious practice in China was um, not allowed or would be persecuted, um, but that's that's actually really not the case. Um, I would say the the government's main desire is not necessarily to eradicate um, Christianity or religion or private belief, but really their concern is to maintain social control um, over all religious practice in China. And um, so when the communists came to power in the 1950s, they uh, formed essentially a state church. It's a church that um, has oversight by uh, the government. Um, And this church... uh, was basically formed with uh, roughly half of the Christian population in China in the 1950s. And then the other half refused to enter the state church and submit to the government. And that is what we now call the house churches. Probably really the the most technical term would be unregistered church um, because they refuse to register with the government. But they call themselves the house church even until today because their history is that they would have met in private homes um, and uh, tried to avoid uh, detection through that. Today, these house churches are, are very varied 
in size. Some still do meet in private homes, especially since 2018, when persecution has been on the rise again. There's a return to this form of meeting. Um, but for a while, especially, there were very large churches that would call themselves house churches. Um, they even owned commercial property or, or met in you know, hotel conference centers. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah, I, but the, the really the main distinction between these two things are, are their relationship to the state and uh, whether they permit oversight by the governing authorities or not. You know, um, when we think of house church, we often think about meeting in small private homes. I'm glad you clarified that in China it means so much more than that. These are churches that, for theological reasons, have decided that they are not going to be registered with the state. And we have to understand that culturally what that has led to is being spied on, um, being obviously imprisoned for some, like Pastor uh, Wang Yi, um, being persecuted heavily, treated with suspicion, and so much more. Karen, um, I, I guess I have a two-fold question for you, so maybe I'll split it up and, and, and uh, pose it this way. The first is for the person, and I, and I um, feel for this person who feels overwhelmed by this conversation. Mm-hmm. They're hearing mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And they are feeling overwhelmed, like, what can I do? I feel like a pebble in the ocean mm-hmm. listening to you all talk. I'm on the page. Uh, I'm on your website right now for the Edmonston Center. Very well done. I encourage folks to check it out. But you're training folks all the time in this area. So what practically, maybe two or three things that you want to advise for that person who feels overwhelmed but wants to respond mm-hmm. biblically. Yeah, I, I think that's, uh, you know, it's it's easy to feel overwhelmed. I mean, um, uh, faithful disobedience drops in on us at a time in church history where Christians around the world are experiencing the worst persecution, historically and numerically speaking. Uh, Open Doors says 360 million Christians around the world suffer high levels of persecution and discrimination for their faith. And and so, you know, in the middle of all of that, how do you even begin to unpack even the dynamics of one region or one lo- locale, uh, you know, and all the history and the politics and the culture, you know, and then you multiply that exponentially. So, yeah, it can feel overwhelming. Um, I think that we need to remember that God has given us weapons, um, to fight battles that are not the weapons of the world. And so I, I, I do come back to prayer because I, I think that it is, um, it is uh, underrated, <laughs> underrated and overlooked. Yes, yes. yes. Um, for sure. In, in its power, and, and it, it is a weapon that's been given to us, one that people on, who are experiencing hostility, they are very well familiar with wielding those weapons. We're a little, you know, those of us who have, have had more comfort and um, who live in the freer world, you know, we're, our, our weapons aren't so sharp, you know. So yes. I think one thing, practical thing, is picking up those weapons that the Lord has given us. He's given us his word. Uh, he's given us prayer. He's given us fasting, uh, another overlooked. Uh, and it's just committing so to good. those yeah. basic Things. Yes, you yes. don't have to go and learn the entire history of a region. You don't have to know somebody personally who has access to the people or, or you know, and then from there, trust me, using those weapons that those spiritual weapons the Lord has given us, 
will open doors Mm. for you to be able to do more and pinpoint uh, a response rather than just shooting buckshot and hoping, you know, something's going to happen. You know, I I have to do a thousand different things. Now I have to go out and protest. No, start with prayer and then let the Lord guide you. And he will, he may give you a burden to, um, to help plant a church in a, in a difficult region. He may give you a, a burden to support a family in a difficult region, but it has to start with prayer and pray. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I, I've done everything I can, so I suppose I'll pray. But, you know, prayer is action. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. We tend yes, not is. to think mm-hmm. of it as action, but prayer mm-hmm. is active, and it is doing something. So mm-hmm. start there, and uh, the you Lord know, will, uh, trust me, the Lord will guide you from there. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm building my list of things that we've <laughs> talked about today because it's easy to kind of feel like, well, what do I do? Well, mm-hmm. I, I, right now, I, I got about five things I've already listed just from our conversation. Become aware of what's mm-hmm. happening with our brothers and sisters globally. So now, at least for some, they know the name uh, Pastor Wang Yi, and mm-hmm. they can pray for him. Um, secondly, I put prayer. Thirdly, scripture reading and memorization. Fourthly, pa- uh, fasting. What a powerful mm-hmm. way of disciplining our soul and our mm-hmm. appetite. Yeah. Fifthly, small group. I love that thought uh, mm-hmm. of, of having, again, community uh, beyond Sunday. So let's keep building our list so that um, we can uh, be uh, ready and uh, not mm-hmm. only that, but fruitful. Uh, part of my prayers, I want to be fruitful, Hannah and Karen, no matter what the season or challenge yeah. that mm-hmm. comes our way. Uh, I want to ask a question of Hannah, uh, but let's go to the phone lines first. Ricardo is listening in Lakeland, Florida. Ricardo, thank you so much for listening to Equip. What's your comment, my friend? Well, um, I just want to speak a word that God uh, uh, spoke to my heart. If we're not willing to speak the truth, we're not going to be willing to die for the truth. Yeah, yeah. I come from a communist country. The communist country, which is Nicaragua, where there's a lot of persecution. Mm. Uh, mm. The, the, the one who established communism in my, in my country is where the Democrats, which mm. was Jimmy Carter, gave 72 hours and history will never lie. And unfortunately, uh, persecution is right, at, right, right around the corner for this country. And prayer, fasting, is the two powerful keys for the Christianity. And we yeah. need to speak the truth. And if we're not yeah. willing to speak the truth, we're not going to die for the truth. Thank you, Ricardo, for calling. Obviously, Ricardo brings up a lot, but I just want to focus in on the courage part that he uh, alludes to. The, the, the fact that this book, which in many ways is a compilation of a lot of sermons, and I love reading sermons. So for my pastor friends who like reading sermons and uh, taking quotes and using them and all that stuff, it's it's chock full of that. But there's some courage that was needed uh, by Wang Yi and others to speak out. And here's my question for Hannah. And it may seem like a basic one, but in all of your reading and interacting with these brothers and sisters in Christ, why not just join the state church? Why not just take that pathway? Why go this pathway of persecution and imprisonment and all those things? 
Ultimately, it comes down to their conviction that only Jesus is the king of the church. Yeah. And I think there's a long history of, um, you know, even, even predating the communists, um, there's a long history of, of China's um, powers and authorities wanting the ultimate love and allegiance of their people. And I think for the house churches, uh, they recognize that, you know, they care a lot about being good citizens. They love their country. Um, they love their cities and they want to, to be good and faithful citizens. But the point at which um, they're willing to disobey is, is whenever, um, you know, the kingship of Jesus and the question yeah. of their ultimate love and allegiance comes into question. We'll be right back. This daily program is fully devoted to coming alongside listeners like you to give you the tools needed for a successful walk with God. As one of our loyal listeners, would you be willing to become an equipper? Your monthly contribution will be applied to equipping others all across the country. Plus, as an equipper, I'll send you regular emails that contain brief pastoral messages prepared just for you. To become an equipper now, call 888-644-4144 or go online to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Um, let me just say, if you've not yet registered and you are a monthly partner for tomorrow's Zoom webinar on uh, mental health, I want to encourage you to do so. It's entitled Jesus, Anxiety, and Depression. We're going to delve into that topic. There's so many things we're going to discuss. Is anxiety a sin or is it a disorder? How do we respond to it differently? If you're a Christian living with depression, how do you survive and thrive in that reality? Are there causal factors that we need to be aware of? And so much more. And most importantly, we're going to take your questions as well. So if you're not, if you've not registered yet, please do so. You find registration information if you're a monthly partner in your inbox under Equipper Encouragement. And I look forward to seeing you there immediately following tomorrow's program. My guest today, Karen Ellis, Hannah Nation. Uh, Hannah and Karen, I feel like I need three more hours to talk to you both about uh, this topic because it is so important. But I guess I'll end with two questions. First for you, Karen, and that is I have a, 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 a pretty significant passion for raising up the next generation of mm -hmm. globally minded Christians. I know yes. you share that. I um, do. Talk about the church's role in that and why that's so important of a mission for us to rally around. Uh, you know, the uh, the next generation of um, of Christians and the concept of passing the torches for you, for folks like you and me at the age that we are at now, we're thinking about legacy. Yeah. And, um, you know, thinking about direct discipleship. And so I, I would love to see more folks, you know, thinking about, you know, who am I discipling right now? Who am I bringing along? Is there at least one person in my life? I remember in the um, 
uh, in the, the 90s, which was a completely different um, uh, uh, phase of the church in China. You know, there were people, there was, uh, and, and, and Hannah can speak to this, but there were people who were saying that there were one-day-old Christians, you know, discipling, you know, one-minute-old Christians. Mm. And uh, and I, I just thought to myself, you know, there's that's that's just such a beautiful image. And yeah, yet, I, you know, yeah. I, I have a lot of young people that are coming, you know, that come to me and my husband, uh, who's, an, who's a theological anthropologist, and they say, oh, you know, would you disciple us? And I'm like, where's people in your local church? And so, you know, I just, I, I feel like discipleship is such a huge opportunity. Yes. There are yes. people that are asking to be discipled. And those of us who are further along in the faith, like Linda saying she became a Christian in the 70s in Germany, you know, we need to come alongside these these folks and uh, and really think about pouring into them and what that looks like and not feeling like we have to have all the answers yes. or the right book, but just walking through just walking life together people. and applying the word of God as life happens. I love this know? thought. One day, uh, one they old Christians discipling one minute of old Christians. Yeah. Um, you know, what a what a beautiful picture. Hannah, uh, I, I think there's two books that we need to encourage folks to get. The book that I have, Faithful Disobedience in Many Ways, uh, speaks in deeply theological language. It is powerful for everyone, but I really want it for leaders. But I also want to encourage folks to get faith in the wilderness because if I'm not uh, wrong, that is more for lay people as well. Is that right? Yeah, they're pretty different books. They they touch on a lot of the same themes, but you're correct. Faith in the Wilderness, um, it's just extremely accessible um, for anyone, really, who wants to delve into topics of, of suffering and what it means to suffer both for and, and with Christ and... Um, we have a study guide as well for that that's geared for small groups and, yes. and Bible studies. It's available on our website. So, yeah, it's another great resource. Well, you both are a resource to the body of Christ, and I uh, am so grateful for you and for your ministry. And I promised before we ended this program that we would pray for Pastor uh, Wang Yi and not only him, but those who are imprisoned for their faith. So let's do that, if you don't mind. Father, we come before you knowing that you're the God of grace, mercy, and strength. You're, you're able to help us to endure and to ultimately present us in your presence without spot or wrinkle or blemish. And Lord, we do pray right now for Pastor Wang Yi that you would give him strength and fruitfulness even in a difficult place that you allow him to bear faithful witness where he is and that you would free him from chains of bondage and grant him freedom and those who have been arrested for their faith. Lord, for the persecuted brothers and sisters around the world, may they know that they are deeply loved, that we carry them in their heart, and that more importantly, that you are faithful. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you to Hannah. Thank you to Karen. Their websites are on ours, equipradio.org. Till we're together again, remember Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.